Hello guys, David Vose here. And, well, I woke up in Alabama again. Beautiful day. Uh, it's crisp, crisp kind of cool air. And man, has it been cold the last few nights. I thought maybe Alabama was just a lot colder than I thought. But then I realized that they're having huge snowstorms up in New York and different places. So I guess it's just a, a big winter storm going through. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Well, friends, we've been... Uh, going through a lot of different subjects. And it's hard for me to tell just how you guys are receiving some of the information because lately I haven't had a lot of people watching. I don't know if that's due to the fact that you're not into this information or it's, you know, it's pretty deep and it's, for those of you who watch my videos all the time, I can imagine that after so many months of this or whatever, some of you watch quite a few videos, maybe even every day for some of you. And I can imagine that maybe, you know, you get a little tired of all this uh, history and these detailed videos that are kind of deeper history and uh, science or whatever. And you might have missed a few because you think, well, you know, this is a little not as interesting as some of the other stuff he talks about. And then I think a few of you, my subscribers, were flat earthers. Perhaps some of you were Tartarian believers or um, mud flutters or something. And I, I don't know, maybe a lot of you don't like my point of view on some of that. But you have to understand, even if I run my channel right into the ground, which I don't think is me, I'll get to what I think it is, but... Even with the controversial subjects, let's put it that way. And it's crazy that these things would be controversial. Since the whole world always, from the time of Adam till now, has believed in the round circle, your spherical earth. But all of a sudden, in the latter days, now everybody's going to believe in this flat earth. And people are just like fit to be tied if you contradict their, their new theory of the flat earth. And I keep telling you guys that that's not true. Why? Because it's not true. And so, like I said, even if the all the devils from hell come and start teaching doctrines of devils and demons to itch people's ears, I won't do that. I will not follow in line and tell you guys that yeah, there was a big mud flood worldwide. And they're like, that's it, Dave. I ain't going to watch this blasphemy. All I can say is, if you are a flat earther, you're welcome to continue watching. If you are a mud flutter, if you find any solace or camaraderie in the lessons that we talk about today, or if you, even if you just find these videos amusing or relaxing like a little story that you don't necessarily agree with i would encourage you to continue to watch but even even with all of that there's people who disagree with what i'm saying uh i still believe that my channel would be doing thousands upon thousands of clicks since i used to get that many clicks. I have a lot of subscribers. And I have seen other channels out there that are a lot more boring. Maybe some of them less controversial. I mean, there's a guy that goes out in the woods and just shines his camera down on an old tree stump and tells you about dirt. And he's got millions of subscribers and people going there. And like I said, there's a, there a hobo on the train that just, he just, Films the little train going by, you know, tick 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 all day long, and him just jabbering on in hobo language. And he's got thousands and thousands of subscribers, and he gets thousands of clicks. So I'm being shadow banned. But I also know that what I'm saying is important because I believe for those who are really careful to watch and listen and they're not 
closed-minded. If you're not stuck on old views that you were taught, you know, I know it sounds kind of weird because we were taught the earth was a sphere. And I'm saying everything's a lie. Well, not everything's a lie. Up is up and down is down. The sky is blue. I mean, these are, you know, I wouldn't just go along and start throwing out all the babies with the bathwater because we also have history. If we don't have history, I mean, it's like saying, well, how can we believe in the Bible? It's been mistranslated, Dave. We can't, we can't believe in the Bible. You see, I do. I do believe in the Bible. And I'm, I'm giving you evidence if you're willing to really listen and keep an open mind. I think the narrative that we're giving here is that we're establishing that, yes, history is fairly accurate. I cannot say that everybody that's ever said anything in history has always been correct. What I can say is usually if it's not quite what you think it's supposed to mean or say, it's probably in the code. Because a lot of times the historians were not allowed to say everything that they wanted to say or else they could be killed. So yeah, there is some... The Bible itself is written in some sort of code. And I wouldn't blame you if you read the Old Testament thinking that was your divine father in heaven and thinking, oh no, he's really mean. And I guess God is evil. You know, you could think that. So yeah, I see there are lots of things that people are not certain about and I can see and I sympathize with those who are flat earthers. I do sympathize with you. I'm just here to show you facts and I believe the Holy Spirit is guiding our endeavor here to get down to the whole truth, nothing but the truth will help us divine being. So now today after having said that, after, what, seven, almost seven minutes of just rambling on about that, uh, forgive me, but today I, 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 I'm going to tell you something that I don't think I've ever told you. I mean, I, I've been saying it in so many ways, in so many uh, parables, I guess, or, 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 you know, getting right up to the line of, yeah, here's some interesting information, but not ever really making that the theme of our video. I've never really made this a theme. Uh, I think if you went back and looked at the videos that we've been giving, we would probably be able to determine that up to this point, I wasn't really aware, fully aware of the connotations of some of the things we've been saying. I don't think I was fully aware that Ham was Saturn until recently. I didn't fully, completely, I don't think I was aware that Leah, although I've been saying she is, represents the other covenant, Leah, right? And we, we covered that a lot in some of my videos. And Resh L was from L or Ra, Ra L. But, I don't think I was completely aware because I don't think there is any actual flat-out proof. I mean, like some genealogy somewhere that Leah goes back to Ham. But there is proof as the proof that we gave yesterday. But its I don't know if it's what you would consider proof if you didn't fully understand the proof. Because Leah's and Rachel's children were named after people of these particular lines. And this is a rule of prose or biblical talk. It's kind of a little unspoken rule. And if you didn't know about that rule or weren't sure about it, you wouldn't know if this is true. But I think the symbols show that it's true. As I say, Leah is named after Yah. And so then determining who the people was that followed after Yah and who the people were that followed after El is a long story, and we've given the long story. We've done over and over again. There are still some people, I think, that don't understand why I'm saying Jesus is from Joseph rather than Judah, because the Bible says it over and over again. Jesus is of the house of David, right? Well, isn't David of the house of Judah? He's a king. Wasn't Judah the royal king line? The scepter will not depart from Judah? Well, but it says until. It's kind of like that scripture in the New Testament that says that heaven and earth 
will pass away. Well, it says the law will not pass away until heaven and earth passes away. And so people say, oh, that means it will never pass away. But it does say, no, heaven and earth will pass away. But my words, Jesus said, which is not the law. This is a different covenant. Moses' covenant will be done away when the heavens and the earth passes, which is a temporary world. My kingdom is no part of this world. But my words, my covenant will never pass away. See, we have to rightly divide the word. We have to understand the word. And we, we, we do misunderstand the word a lot. So even though the Bible does give us genealogies all the way back to Judah for the line of Jesus several times, if you know how to read the Bible, it's kind of written in a, in a code. It really kind of is, although the code isn't hidden if you're really familiar with the Bible, if you understand the Bible. I mean, the, the rabbis would understand this. I mean, if you were to dig deep in their midrashisms and all their, their explanations, they know this. <clears throat> that it was Joseph who got the promise that, that Abraham got. Well, first of all, Adam got that promise. You would assume that Adam being the son of the divine being would be the the, the child of the divine. Our Heavenly Father loves his people. And Adam is our ancient forefather. So obviously he was blessed by our Heavenly Father. But yes, he was cursed by Yahweh. And the ground was cursed and the serpent and the woman and everything was cursed. But our Heavenly Father, which is, it's not really, his name isn't really mentioned in Genesis chapter 1. It's just Elohim. And that means all the deities. And so many of the deities had a hand in building this world, creating the world. There wasn't just one person. I don't even think it really means the Trinity per se. The Father, the Mother, and the Holy... You know, the Bible, you could understand it that way, that it's the Father and the Mother and the Divine Son. Because we know that the Son was there in creation. John John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with the Divine Being. and the word, And all things came into being through the Word. So we know that Jesus was there. And we know that Mommy was there because Proverbs chapter 8 tells us that she, Sophia, was beside the Father, beside the Lord, from the beginning, before the founding of the world, and she was the master architect, or she was the one of the creators. So we know that the three, father, son, and mother, were there. Lots of, We don't want to go into that today about the mother, because so many people, if you haven't watched my videos, you might think, what are you talking about? Mother is not in the Bible. What, Proverbs 8? What does that mean? Well, Proverbs 8 tells you who this woman, Sophie, is. She's wisdom. Okay, so this is different than the law of Moses that's temporary, that Corinthians and the Apostle Paul tells us was done away. But this wisdom is the wisdom that created the universe, the architect. So this is different. And who is this before the founding of the world? Well, this is the Holy Divine Spirit which is always feminine in all languages. The only Koine Greek in, and maybe another language somewhere uses the neuter when using that word. And you have to supply the, the gender by the context. But in Hebrew, rock is feminine. So in every language it's known that the Holy Spirit is feminine gender. So the Father and the Holy Spirit and the Son is a male and a female. And She's represented sometimes symbolically as a dove or something. Well, that's because the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. And the, the word hovering there has to do with wings. And so it was understood that it was kind of a symbol of the Divine Mother. But, again, the biblical story hides a little bit of who our mother is. Paul comes right out and says it when he says, you have this covenant. You know, you get married. That's a covenant. And the Jerusalem that is now, which is the, the covenant of the people, we all have this covenant with this system. And she is in bondage. She represents Hagar. But he says, our mother, who's our mother? We have a mother, Paul says. We have a, our Heavenly Father has a covenant with another woman that's a perfect covenant. She's not a slave. She is his divine counterpart. They translate Eve as a helper, right? Even the Holy Spirit's called the comforter. Some translations say helpmate or helper. 
Well, that's not really the right word. It's not like she's just there to help. But she's there to be the counterpart. The mate. The other half. Because Eve was made from the, not from the rib of Adam, but from his half. She was one half of Adam. Adim is plural. Male and female created. He, them. Adim. The name has to do, is two, it's plural, so Adam and Eve were both in Adam, and Yahweh split them in half. So we're going way off into some, some, some things here, but, and we explain this all the time, but I always find it difficult to just say things without explaining this for maybe new viewers that come. So the Holy Spirit's feminine. So Elohim made the heavens and the earth, but if we look at the Sumerian tablets and the Babylonian, the Akkadian, and all of this in the Egyptian hieroglyphs, we find that there was various deities that had a hand. And we've said, like, in Genesis chapter 17, that there was these three angels that were there on the earth. The Bible uses this word angel. So Christianity and even Judaism, they're running around thinking, well, let's see, there's this one divine being, Yahweh. That's not true. He says, I am God and there is none else. My name is Vengeance and I'm jealous. That is my name. That's not our father. He was pride. He says, I am God, there is none else besides me, there is no other, I am the only Savior. But Jesus said, no, I am one with the Father. And they stoned him for blasphemy because he would not accept that he was not the Son, making himself divine. And that's why they stoned him for blasphemy. Jesus said, just like the serpent in the Garden of Eden, that no, you will not die, but you'll become like the divine being. If you partake of this knowledge, so that you know the difference between good and evil, you become like the divine being. And Jesus said, ye are Elohim. He didn't just say you're gods. He said, ye are Elohim. Ye are the Elohim that were there in the creation. We were all there clapping our hands for joy, Job says. The morning stars. Well, Jesus is the morning star. We're all morning stars. Meaning that we were from the dawn of creation. And we were all there and we clapped our hands we were observing, we were helping, and many of us were, you know, we're all a part, we're the body of Christ. And like it says, we've been talking about this, you know, for the last few days, that Jesus is the head of the body, and therefore the head cannot say to the toe, I have no need of thee. So Jesus does not say, oh, ye peasants down there, I don't have any need of you. No, that we're all part of his body. And the body we know is the whole creation. Sorry, Jehovah's Witnesses, not just your little group, 144,000, or, or your, you know, church. Every man, woman, and child was from Adam, and we're all in Adam, and so we're all in Christ from the founding of the world. There's only one hope, one faith, one baptism, and we were all in Christ, not only since Christianity started, but from the founding of the world, we were in Christ. And the idea that we must, <clears throat> so when we see this Adam, we say we are all in Adam, this proves then, this shows us that every man that's living on the earth today, all human beings are of Adam. And at the same time, the New Testament tells us that every human being that's living on the earth today are in Christ. Same way we're in Adam. How are we in Adam? Well, we were his genetic, we, 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 he gave birth to us. We're his children. But Christianity doesn't understand what this we're in Christ is. They think it's some spiritual thing. Oh, I'm in Christ. <laughs> you know, whatever. It's, it's some symbolic transfer of, you know, you were human. You're filthy. You're, your pieces are dung. And now, you know, he, and out of his grace, he's transferred you into this kingdom of his dear son. And they interpret that to mean that we were just nothing. Well, there's part of us that is the temporary, the flesh. The carnal flesh. That's the part the Bible's always upset with. But then we also have in us, and not just from the time of Christ, but from the founding of the world, we had we were in Christ from the founding of the world. How could that be? Well, it must mean that when we were born of Adam, that Adam himself had that Christ in him. And Adam also had a lower nature. And so, Adam himself, if we're all in Adam, and yes, we're all in Christ, there, there was no other humans other than Adam that started the whole shebang. So Christ was also in Adam. Christ is part of Adam. 
And so when Adam gave birth, he gave birth. Well, then who's the devil? Well, the devil must have been in Adam too. Because nothing ever, you know, there's evil spirits in humans. How'd they get there? By what authority? Well, they live there. Right? Just like Christ lives in me. I can do all things by Christ that lives in me. Well, what are these demons doing? How do we get them out? Well, we got to cast them out in the name of Jesus. But what does that really mean? It means that in your flesh, that carnal mind, which is what the Bible calls it, the carnal mind or the fleshly mind, that mind is a spirit. That's what that word means. It's invisible force. It's a, it's some, what is the force that's powerful that's invisible? It's mind. And there is the mind of the flesh and there's the mind of the spirit. There's the mind of Christ. And so when I say you must bring all thoughts into subjection to Christ, you've got people like Jeffrey Dahmer saying, hey, I'll never do it. Not me. I shall never stoop to the point where I'll get down and, and bring all my you know, mind in subjection to anyone. Well, what a fool. Because a fool says they believe in something or think something before they've heard the matter. Okay, he doesn't understand this. Christ is in you. You're bowing down to yourself, but your higher self, your higher consciousness. And where do we get that higher consciousness? From our daddy, from his daddy, and from his daddy. From Adam, who was given it by the divine father and mother, the whole, the universe, the perfect Endless, you see, the universe can't be in time. It can't evolve time and space and go from nothing to something. That's ridiculous. Yes, we talk about evolution, but that's in the illusion. That's the transformation of the mind that goes from the lower to the higher only because of learning. But the thing of it is, is we learn in time. And what does it mean? There is no time and space. There is no beginning. We were all there in the beginning or in the infinite. So how does how do we evolve? What is this time? Well, this is an illusion. All it is is a way to compartmentalize ourselves. In this one divine being of the universe is all. There is the left and the right. Right? So we split it in half. We got male and female. Now they can look at each other and and get to know each other and and, and understand themselves. Looking into a mirror, Paul says. Opening the veil, the woman's got a veil when you marry her, you know, and you look in through the beyond the veil and you see like in a mirror, as though in a mirror, the face of the divine being, because when you're a man and you look into your woman's eyes, that's the divine being right there. That's that's the part of you that you need to be one with, that you need to understand, because that's the mind that you don't yet know or understand because you compartmentalized yourself into this other part so that you can focus on that part and by being outside stepping outside of yourself by looking into a mirror you see yourself and this is how we come to know each other so the universe is already infinitely in in its in all of its glory all everything that ever exists is in one space and it happens at one time and it's the it's what it is the universe the all but now time is a beautiful gift because what it is it compartmentalizes from the very lowest to the very highest and it compartmentalizes it in space and in time so that we have, we start from the beginning, from the first, and we go to the top and we experience it all. This is transmigration. But all the while, we, I should say me, or in your case, you would say yourself, we are that one, it doesn't matter where you're at along the way, you may be a dog right now, but you're still the all. But you're perceiving the universe, you are the all, perceiving the universe through the eyes of a dog. You must understand what it is to be that part of yourself. So in a, in a better way of looking at it, you could say, okay, that woman of yours, you are one, one and the same. Right now, you're experiencing yourself as something other so that you can get to know yourself. So I don't want to go into more of that. We spent 24 minutes kind of rambling around with some basic foundational things because what I'm about to tell you is going to just completely, I think, explain the whole ball of wax and why we have all this story about all these gods and sons of gods and, you know. So we go back then to this Genesis 17 where these three angels are on the earth 
And the Masoretic scribes, they, this Hebrew, you know, Judaist, uh, Talmudic cult, they tried to retranslate the Bible in some crazy language. They made this word, this Hebrew, uh, block letter Hebrew, which is the modern basic Hebrew that we've had. It was invented about the time of, just after the time of Christ. These Talmudic Judaic people that came from Babylon, they went up to a little place in Syria and they started translating the only Bible that was in existence, which was Greek, the Septuagint, the Holy Textus Receptus given by the apostles. It was translated by the 72, 200 and some odd years BC. It was the only Bible Jesus and anybody ever used. It was all the dispersion of the Israelites that were around the world were all reading their Bible in Greek because they all spoke the Greco-Roman world. They all spoke Greek and was translated by 72 at Alexandria into Greek hundreds of years before Christ. There was no Hebrew. But these little guys took this Hebrew, they invented it from where they were living up in Syria or Armenian or Aramaic kind of, they kind of made this own language up from where they were. And they started translating this Greek into some other new language that they were creating called Hebrew. And this could be verified in modern archaeological, uh, you know, those who are getting the new information, we're beginning to realize this. It's all coming out now, right? We're digging up these cuneiform and all stuff. We're finding this truth out. We're putting this all together. This is what happened. And so, they didn't like these Talmudic Judeans. They didn't like Jesus. They didn't like the New Covenant. They didn't like the mysteries that were being uh, practiced there at Antioch, where they first became Christians, and up at the Temple at Artemis, or the Eleusinian Mysteries, which is Eleus, which is Elisha, who went up to Syria and started the school of the prophets, the mystery schools that was there. So these Judeans didn't like it. They didn't like that understanding, that esoteric truth that to come out. They want to keep it hidden. So they rewrote it in this weird language that nobody's, nobody's ever heard before. By the time 400 came, they took over the Catholic Church, by the way, the Goths, right, who also was fond of that particular deity. They may have called it Odan, but that's Adonai, that's Yahweh. They they understood that. The one that committed genocide you know, and was jealous and vengeful and these laws. And this was the, the, the ruthful warriors that went and colonized and, and, well, I don't know about colonized, but maybe Jenna, you know, sided the world and tried to keep these humans down so they'd just be their slaves rather than advance to become like the divine being. So this was Yahweh's idea. Iya inki, Ya, enoki, as it says in the Hebrew, who made man, these, some men, some something called man, he made them to be his slave, to be the slave of the divine beings. So what we want to know is who are the divine beings and who are these newly created slaves? Right? And 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 if Adam was made before Noah, then how did this dragon mother, which is Naama, after the flood, end up making man if man was already made before the flood? This is what we're going to explain today. If you were very... Uh, carefully listening to the videos we've been doing, this would have been your your Rubik's Cube. This would have been something contradictory. It would have been sticking out in your mind. After everything we've been saying, it would have made very little sense. So let's go back to the angels. These Masoretic scribes then, they, they have this whole new Bible and they've taken verses out where it said Jesus was born of a virgin or anywhere in the Old Testament that he could have been born of a virgin. They changed the words. They took verses that talked about Heliopolis, that the Israelites created and made Heliopolis or the city of On. And they took that out because they didn't want you to know about the city of Anu or the other priesthood that Joseph had. They wanted you to concentrate on Judea because these were the Judeans. And so they wanted you to see this story about Elimelech, Eli Molech, right? This is from Melchizedek, 
lineage. Not from Judea, not from, you know, this would be from the line of Joseph, and we'll show you here in a minute why it is. Elimelech is El, not Yahweh, Molech. Okay, that's the, pre, the higher priesthood of Melchizedek. And they came down, and we won't discuss exactly their line, but they came down, well, through Shem. Shem had a son named Melech. It tells you this in Jubilees and Jasher and these other other books that we don't have in our Bibles, but it we you know I've covered this in so many other videos. It's hard to to not want to go back and try and explain all that to you, but I can't. I I can't explain every detail of this. We've we've done this work for months and months. We've made these videos, and I know it's difficult to watch them all, but all the information, the proof of what I'm saying, is in those videos. Okay, so this lineal line of the higher king priest, right? The king, the sacrorum, the, the, the rex sacrorum, which is the Roman way of saying this high priesthood, not the pontibus maximus or the high priest, but the king had shared his divine royal rule, reign, with a woman. That's what the, 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 the kingship was. It was a man and a woman. And there was a woman with Melchizedek as well that reigned. And that priesthood uh, allowed women. That's why Deborah was the mother of Israel. And she had disciples like Samson and Samuel and then eventually David and Gideon and others. And this is why we have Saul who was not, you know, Yahweh wouldn't talk to him anymore. The lower priesthood, the Aaronic priesthood. So Saul goes up where David was, up at this other place up at Bethel, the house of El, which was now transferred to Mount Carmel. And there's a little town up there in Syria called Dor. And the witch of Endor, which is the priestess, right? a witch means a wise woman, a high priest. She was up in Syria. She wasn't evil. She was of the higher priesthood. And Saul said, was not Saul one of the prophets? He went up there with David. Him and David were dancing. They got the Holy Spirit, right? They're speaking in the Galatian, the tongues and all the stuff that was going on up there in the temple of Artemis, which all historians say was where the temple of Artemis is where the Essenes were doing their thing, right? That's the Essenes right there in these ancient temples, these mystery schools. The temple at Mount Carmel that was created by Elihu. Not Elijah, because that's what these Marjoretic scribes did. They messed that up. Trying to put their yaw in all of this, their, their translation of this Bible. But the Septuagint doesn't have Elijah. It has Elihu. It's just Eli, and U is some sort of the syntax. This is why when Jesus said, Eli, Eli, la'ala sabachthani, he said, they thought he was talking about Elihu. But if he, if, if Elijah was his name, then that, Greek Eli, Eli, or Aramaic wouldn't sound like Elijah. So, my point here for the last 10 15 minutes has been that these Masoretic scribes invented this whole Hebrew thing and took a lot of the parts of the Bible out that is plain and precious. And one of the things they did was they took everywhere it says Ben Ha Elohim, which is the sons of Elohim which means the divine beings. Like Jesus said, ye are the Elohim, the sons of the Elohim. You are the divine beings that were there creating the world. You know. So, if we had the Bible translated correctly, you'd find that all throughout the Old Testament, you'd see Enlil, you'd see Ea-Enki. You don't know, know it, but where it uses the word Yahweh, it's not Yahweh. That's a false pronunciation. It's just vowels. It's ea and then the last H is syntax. You know, he is the one who is. Because it is just the verb to be. So then after ia in the Bible, it always has this other word, anoki. Well, that's Hebrew. But in the Sumerian, it's inki. So Yahweh anoki is inki. And the other deity is, in our Bible, is El. And there's, Quite a few places in the Bible where this E-L is written. 
And we think, oh, well, that must just be the singular form of Elohim. It is, but why? Who are the Elohim? Would they be the sons of Adam or the sons of, like, if all the beings in the universe come from Adam, he's the Lord's creation, his crowning creation. Who are these angels? Well, angels not supposed to be in the Bible. Those are the sons of the Elohim. And who are they? Well, remember, Adam has Abel and Cain. Now, Abel gets killed right away. So Cain then, even it doesn't matter who's the firstborn, Cain or Abel. Cain's the only one left, so he's going to rule the world. And Cain's gone down, he's, he's cursed, so he's in a lower form. And then the demons are present with him, right? Because they're teaching him how to make tents and musical instruments and weapons of war and smelting. And there's a smith called Tubal-Cain. Well, that's that Vulcan in the, in the Greek. Vulcan or Tubal-Cain. Vulcan. And Cain then gets through the flood through Naama. Now, that's the only line of people that's in that realm of Adam. They're lower based, but they're from Adam. Cain's from Adam, but he's down there in this lower consciousness, hearing all the demons, and the demons are stirring. He's following the lower lustful nature. Well, then, to replace Abel, Adam and Eve have Seth, but of course, Seth's not the firstborn, right? Because Cain's already the firstborn. So now we've got a problem. We've got the lower nature being the firstborn. The ego, it doesn't know that the higher priesthood exists it's blind and their deity is Yahweh the lower ego saying I am God there is none else I don't see any other I'm the only savior so the flesh thinks it's God it doesn't know about the spirit but there are lineal descendants of Seth that go down that are of a higher nature and throughout this time there are certain individuals that have relations with the daughters of men well, as we said the other day, there are a group of individuals. It's all explained there in the Atrahasis and the uh, book of Epic of Gilgamesh and, and Enuma Elish and all these writings. But the there's a, a group of deities called the Igi, the Igigi, if you want to pronounce it that way. And most people, not even a soul, I think, we even understands any of this because we only dug this up and Christianity didn't want us to understand. This would help us understand the Bible. So in the Bible, we've got another group of people called the children of Cain. They're lower. They're still from Adam. They're like divine beings, but they were doing all the work. Well, who are they? Well, it's in there called Gilgamesh, the book of, you know, the Epic of Gilgamesh. And he, he has this sort of a, a counterpart called Inky Do. Well, that's Inky. Inky. Inky Do is a wild man, a fugitive, a wanderer like Cain. And of course, we see that Cain and Inky is related. The word's related. And then, of course, Cain, second, his first son is Inky or Enoch. And they build this big city. Well, this is the city that Enkidu ends up building. So, if you read these books, the Epic of Gilgamesh and Inu Middleish and all these other Atrahasis books, you'll find then that the Ijiji are the slaves that were doing all the work. And there was another group from the line of Seth that were like the divine beings. Noah was a divine being. Well, if you've read the story of Noah, you know, you'll see that he was not altogether like the other kids. So when he was born, he looked all glowing and white and, and they thought he was a child of the Watchers. Who are the Watchers? Oh, they're angels. But what are angels? The Masoretic scribes put this word angels, the son of Elohim. He was the son of the divine beings. They had relations with the daughters of men. Remember, Naema is a woman, and there's a woman's seed, and there's all this. So, who in the world could have been not on earth that came and had relations with 
men. There were good ones and there were bad ones, right? Because there was one who fell and his name was, he was actually in the Sumerian tablets, he was the son of Yahweh or Iyah Inki and his name was Marduk and Marduk had relations with uh, one of the humans and this made some giants and so the, the Canaanites were, remember Marduk was part of the Ijiji. And remember, Enkidu was the wild man. So Enki was Cain. And so the sons of Enki, or the sons of Cain, were the wild individuals. And all the Ijiji, their punishment, because they killed Abel, was to be a slave. Exactly the same punishment that Canaan got after the flood, because he got through, genetically got through, through Naama. And that's why, so people say, why were they cursed? This is not fair. Well, it's not talking about a family of people that were cursed. It's talking about why there are men on the earth, humans, that are not yet like the divine being. We're, we're caretakers of the earth. We're like slaves. How did that happen? Weren't we from Adam, all of us? Well, it was not then some divine being that fell. It was... It was really that Cain himself, being a wild man, had all these descendants, the Ijiji, who were used as slaves, and then somebody had relations with them that is what we call the sons of Elohim. Now, in many of the stories, that ended up making a demigod, right? Because one side from Seth was considered the divine beings, in a sense, or the sons of Elohim. And the other side was considered these slaves, these other lower. They were they are out there in the land of Nod. We can assume that they were of a lower vibration. They were perhaps, we're talking about, these stories are just little parables. So I mean, this could have been thousands of years of degradation of human beings just following after the lower carnal nature. You know, and and when you're down there listening to the ego, you build weapons of war and you do bad things. You know, you don't try to advance mankind and love one another. You're doing all these evil things. You're building big cities and making slaves. And they were all slaves of each other. But in order to solve this, I mean, because Ea is up there and the gods are like, what did you do down there making these slaves? And Ea's like, well, we need slaves. We're the gods and, you know, and I can't be bothered with building canals and cities. So I need slaves, right? So the story says that Naama, the dragon mother, she was married to Ham. As we said the other day, Ham is the same as Saturn. So Saturn's the one that's angry or set, who's fighting with Zara. So there's these two lines. Zara is the line back to, the good line back to Judah. And then Judah goes back to, uh, through one, through the father, through Jacob, back to Abraham, Isaac, and then to Noah. So there's these two lines that are represented. It's kind of symbolic too. But it also is a little bit Literal, because in the sense, there was a group of individuals or a lineal descendant from Cain. And they were used as slaves by the others. In, in the days of Atlantis, they had individuals that did a lot of the work. And the di divine beings, they were up there in their uh, ichor, right? Their, their ziggurat or their temples. And they lived in the house and they had gardens and they had slaves. Well, at some point, Adam was cast out of the garden. Right? Well, who is, who are these individuals in the garden? Well, Anu, and we have Inki was in the garden, and Enlil. So we got Saturn, who is identified as Ham. That's down at the time, at the flood, or even before the flood, of course, because Ham, Shem, and Japheth, and Noah lived before the flood for, as we said the other day, thousands of years. And I'll, I'll explain that 
more probably. There's some other things I want to tell you about the dating and the numbers there. None of these numbers are, are actually going to give you a historical, you know, timeline of how old people were when they died. It's nothing to do with that. The, they wrote that in some kind of symbolism. So in our Bible, it's 900 or less than a thousand years each. But in the Sumerian texts and other texts, it's really thousands of years. So Noah was 600 years old when the flood came. So this means that Noah wasn't just 600 years in Atlantis. And his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth were there for, for only a hundred years, you know, before the flood. But they were probably there for thousands of years. And so one of Noah's sons, Poseidon, ends up having these ten titans even before the flood came. And then his last son was the Gog of Magog, which comes out of the bottomless pit or the abyss or after the ocean, you know, destroys the world. And then he comes back up out of the bottomless pit. And this is the, the son of Poseidon, which was a, a divine being had relations with humans. And they made a demigod. So these titans are demigods and they ruled. So before Poseidon, or up to the point of Noah and his son Japheth, only the divine beings ruled the world. And these beings had uh, lifespans of thousands of years. It's symbolic, though. We don't really know what it means. It could be dispensations going back. Who knows? But at some point, they had relations with some other lower group. But again, all from Adam. This Ijiji, which is the ones in Nod, or the fugitives, the wanderers, the wild man, Inky. So, so Ham then is at that point then. Most of what we know about Ham happens after the flood. But Enlil and Inky are in the garden with Adam, right? Back in the days with, they're in the garden and they throw Adam out. Well now, if Adam was first, and he has Abel and Cain, how could Cain or Abel throw Adam out of the garden? Well, obviously, this isn't going to be literal. There is something that predates Abel that is identified or personified as Abel. Abel is that Abby L, you know? Abel is Father L, and that's Enlil. And Cain is Enki. But because An and Ki, you know, is from heaven to earth. He set up his throne on the earth. He went to the abyss and rose his throne from the abyss up to the earth is what actually happened. And so that's that land of Nod. And they were the, his, all of his kids, the Ijiji, you know, Marduk, who was the head of the Ijiji, was Yahweh's son or Ia Inki's son. So, but how could they throw out Adam from the garden? Well, there's a bit of symbolic language there. Obviously, Adam may not have been, you know, he was divine. He had a divine lifespan. He would live for, in our Bible, live for 930 years. But in the other texts, he's one of the divine beings, Atum. And all is from Atum, right? And Ra and all these characters that live thousands and thousands of years. They were like the immortals. But something happened because Adam had Seth and Seth had Enosh. Now that probably thousands of years later, because each of these kids lived thousands of years. And Enosh means mortal. So by that time, man, there was some group of men that had become mortal. And they were not immortal. So Adam then is where all these demons find their home. And all the angels as well. Meaning we're all in Adam, right? And we're all in Christ. Well, how could we be in Christ? Well, somewhere in Adam, there had to be the higher consciousness and somewhere in Adam, there had to be the lower consciousness. And while they were in the garden, they got split. But since this is a symbolic illustration of the split of the psyche and man being, you know, higher natures and lower natures within man itself, then it's going to be a parable for for this, and it might be a, a few parables because there might be a few levels in stages. So the first level is Adim, plural, is split into man and woman. Well, Adim, without being split, must have been in the garden. You know, in Genesis chapter one, we don't know; it could have been there for millions of years. 
There was no mortality yet. There was no temptation or anything. It was adim, plural, made he, them, male and female. They lived in harmony. But at some point, they had a child. And some say that, in a sense, eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil represents that child or partaking of sensualness and uh, the lower carnal world and the temporary world and bringing forth children or separating your consciousness as a divine being into some other variables that are lesser than the highest. So yeah, in the beginning then, Adam was whole and he was there, but within Adam was these two kids fighting the higher nature and the lower nature. So, remember, these angels then are a trick that the Masoretic scribes use. We don't understand that angel is not the word. It's a word that comes from two root words. An and L. So, angels, there's always a G on this anglicized spelling, right? But it's N and L in the original. And what are the L's, right? Well, An means heaven, and L is Enlil, right? Well, Enlil's name, in some cases, is An L, right? Enlil. Other times, it's just Ilel or L. But it's the same person. And all the children of Enlil, or all of his brood, were the angels, because remember, Enlil's in the heaven. But then there's Enki, the wanderer. He's down there in the abyss. He killed his father, the Absu, and made his kingdom in the Absu, in the abyss. And from the bottomless pit of the abyss, he brought his throne up onto the earth and took over the world with law. With a lower eagle, came up out of the lower eagle, the demons and all of his kids. And who were his kids? The Damions. So, this is why it gets so confusing. Because Damion is the word they use in the Greek Septuagint. And it just means a spirit. And many have said, well, it doesn't mean evil or good. Because spirits are benign. So how are we understanding them to be evil spirits? Well, sometimes they do say in the text that it's an evil spirit. Sometimes they use a different word and they'll have that word spirit with it, but it's translated sometimes like a goat-like being. It's, yeah, I know, it's like a little goat. That's the word. And so it's funny because that little goat is like Pan, right? From the Vulcans and from the the Phoenician city of Enkidu. And the picture of Enkidu, the wild man, is a little goat-like guy with two horns. That's the devil. And his children were the spirits that were like little goat-shaped uh, abominations, sometimes it'll call them. So, Damien is usually used for these evil spirits from the devil, from the, the Satan, or all the way back to the original Inki. But angels is not another group of beings in some other part of the universe, but Angels are individuals from Abel or from El, Father El, who is Enlil. And so even though Abel died and didn't have any lineage, he represents the beings that have not yet come to the earth and or those who have come and become humans and have overcome and have gone back to heaven. But those are always the children of Seth who were the angels or who are the sons of Elohim, the Ben-Ha-Elohim. So everywhere you see in the Bible where it says angel, understand it didn't say that in the original Greek or in the original writing. But these Masoretic scribes, they're the ones who started this. Now, I don't know, maybe the, even they had a pretty good idea or a, a sort of a code word to throw in there. A lot of times they were trying to throw us off. But if you understand that code, you understand it's an L, or it's heavenly beings that are from El or Enlil and his kids. The other brood would be from Ea Inki, 
And they were the spirits that were like the little goat face, the little goat faced demons from Inky Do that we read about in the Enuma Elish, the Atrahasis, the Epic of Gilgamesh, the Seven Tablets of Creation, and the Book of Thoth, and the Akkadian, you know, cuneiform, and the hieroglyphs in, in Egypt. So who was the creator then? It wasn't Adam. Was somebody before Adam? Everything's in Adam. Adam was made in the image of the divine being. And we understand that to mean today, falsely, that there is a divine being and then there's Adam. But that's not what that means. Just like Jesus was the exact representation of his very being. And that doesn't mean he's another person. Okay? Because Osiris was his own son and Horus was his own father. So, the Heavenly Father is a spirit, right? He's light. And he has an expression or his outer reflection. The image of his very being, the exact representation. That's Jesus. So Adam, then, was the very exact representation of the divine being, meaning Adam, plural, was made male and female, just like the divine being, who was our heavenly father and mother. And that son was the absolute perfect representation or their, their child, the culmination, their birth, the creation, the logos. But when it speaks of Christ then, he was unmanifest. Christ, that perfect son, his beloved, his only begotten, wasn't yet manifest, but it was an, an unmanifest form. And he dwelt as Thoth, and he did other incarnations. But at some point, he manifested and partook of flesh and blood, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as one who is the only begotten of the Father. In other words, the only exact representation of the Father and the Divine Mother. Because it took a male and a female, they had to split. The unity of the whole universe had to make some sort of lower, you know, sort of cut themselves in half, become schizophrenic for a minute, have two sides of themselves, and therefore, through this separation, they would learn to become one again. And through becoming one again, they would have children and they would have this absolute representation in another form, their manifest form. So Adam wasn't just, well, Adam's being in the image. Remember, Adam is plural, male and female. The Adim weren't just, just like the father, but they were the icon, the absolute representation, the imprint, not an image like a likeness, but the imprint of someone's very presence, the outer form of the divine being. We are the body of the divine being because the divine being, male and female, because that's what it is, mother and father, dwelleth in us bodily. And it never dwelled perfectly in anyone else except Jesus. The whole divine Godhead dwelled bodily in Christ. But here's the amazing thing. Jesus, the body of Jesus, has many members. Jesus is the head and we're all the little many members. You may just be a little toe. You might be a finger. You might be a hand. Boy, if you could be a hand, you could do a lot for the world. If you were his mouth, you could preach the gospel. But we are all there and the head cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. So we're all this body, this perfect representation, the exact imprint, a stamp, the outer impression of his divine being. And he is living in us. And Christ is in us. But you see, they had to split in order to find out what is good. They had to taste the bitter. So the lower nature developed too. Cain and mankind Today, we're all in, in this lower nature. But we all go back to Adam. 
So in the story of where it tells you in the book of Enoch that Noah was not like the other kids, but was of a higher nature and glowed like one of the angels or the one of the watchers. That would be one of the children of Enlil. Who would that be? Well, any of them who had died could be a candidate to overshadow him and to come into him. It's a symbol of saying this person, Noah, is some kind of a reincarnation or it's his spirit that came into him is a great spirit. Well, who would that be? Well, remember, Abel died right away. And our numerology, the numbers that we have there in Genesis says that there were 1,600 years from the flood to Adam. 600 years, Noah was 600 years when the flood came. So that means 600 years, and and, and Adam lived 1,000 years, 930. So when Adam died, Noah wasn't born yet. So when Abel died, because he came along at the beginning and died right away. Noah wasn't born yet. I believe that it was Adam who overshadowed Noah and went into that person. And Anu then is once again our Heavenly Father. And this is why Anu, Uranus, is our Heavenly Father. Jesus then wasn't, I don't believe, now there was a time, this is one of the reasons why I thought maybe Enlil was Jesus or Zeus. But I think that Zeus is a type of that. But Zeus wasn't perfected. He was only one half of his brother Inki. And Jesus is everything compiled. He is the exact representation. And he's, as it says in Colossians and Ephesians, he made in his flesh, he took down the partition, the partition wall, and reconciled both parties, one in himself. And those both parties is Inki and Enlil, the demons and the angels. Now, does that mean that demons are going to get to be exalted? No. It means that you take down the wall, the outer court, which is the lower carnal nature. That's the son of destruction. And that part will no longer exist. But there will be a woman in that uh, carnal nature. There will be a Nama, Nama that will be saved. Our soul is entrapped in this carnal nature, in the walls of this Jericho. And Rahab was delivered and saved from that. And Joshua, which is another name for Isa, Jesus, represents Jesus marrying that, you know, making that unity with Mary Magdalene and Jesus. They became one, had a perfect marriage and had children and showed us the way to have this unity with our spiritual self. That that divine woman was drugged through the mud and all these temporary demons, right? These aren't realities, but these fears and all the evil of the world was brought upon her in a curse. That part of ourselves, that that femininity, which is really our spiritual side, was thrust aside and we had no knowledge of it. We were no longer one with our higher self. So therefore the wedding must come and our higher self has got to be delivered from the bondage of this carnal nature. So what that means is that Noah is the same character as Adam all over again or, you know, the the father. And Ham is the same character as Cain all over again. He's that mystery that is the lineage of Cain, the beast man, and that is the the beast that comes out of the bottomless pit and creates this kingdom of degradation and law. These two counterparts go all the way down through history. 
we have Jacob, who had a brother named Esau. Jacob I've loved, Esau I've hated, the flesh and the spirit. We have Jacob marrying two women, two covenants, Leah and Reshel, or Ra'el. So, the line of the spiritual sons who are going to get the inheritance is from Rachel, and that was Joseph. And Jesus will come through the line of Joseph. But Jesus will then marry the other line from Naamah, just as they always do, or Rahab, or in this case, he will marry Mary Magdala, the harlot who had the seven demons that he cast out. And this is the story of Inanna, and we've talked about that in the past. And remember, that wedding of Jesus and Mary Magdala could never have occurred if both Jesus and Mary had not already reconciled the two sides within themselves. Right? We're going to always be searching for our soulmate until we have found our other half within ourselves. Okay, so Jesus had already perfected and within his own body, he had already perfected the two natures and so had Mary or else she could never have been a appropriate wife. When he lifted that veil, they truly saw within each other themselves. So anyway, I can see I'm way over an hour again and uh, going to have to probably just leave it there, guys. And uh, well, I hope you have a wonderful evening. And I hope you enjoyed this discussion. Let me know if you're finding this interesting and you're following along. May the Lord bless you. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a good one.